Welcome to Radio Rehab Storyteller Series. I'm Dana. I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic. This week, my mom is my guest host. If you are just tuning in for the first time, Radio Rehab is now a daily show where I have a guest co-host in with me for the entire week. And being that we recorded these shows on the anniversary of my dad's death, I wanted to get the spouse and mother of the addict and alcoholic I wanted to get her take on things, and I figure who better to talk to than my mom, and we are really being forthcoming and pulling back the curtain to give you guys kind of a glimpse into this world. Today, we discuss the difference between having an addict husband and an addict daughter, and how my father handled it differently when I got into the same situations he was in. Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. Welcome back to the show. I'm here in studio with producer Shar and my mom, Kate. You can say hi. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this we've recorded these shows on the anniversary, the 12 year anniversary of my dad's death, and we're kind of doing this a little bit as a tribute to him, as mm-hmm. tribute to us and our family and everything we've been through, and uh, as a gift for me to other families out there who are going through this right now. Because I feel like there's nothing better I can do really than to just be honest and, and show you, you know, pull the curtains back yeah. and just show you what it looks like. Um, you know, as they say in the program, like what it was like, what happened and what it's like now. But that's kind of the format we're going for this week. But as we discussed um, in the last episode, so my mom, you are... Um, the least addictive person I've ever met in my life. You just don't have that gene. I've seen her drink wine. It's so annoying. She leaves like just a sip in the bottom of the cup. Things that drive alcoholics crazy. Like, oh my God, how can you do that? You know, and it affects her immediately, you know, whereas alcoholics, we have to drink a lot of it. Um, It never occurs to you to do drugs because you're upset. (laughs) You know, like, like for example, like, I when I'm feeling really bad, that's when it might occur to me to do drugs. While other people might go, "Oh, I have a back injury. I think I'll take Vicodin." <laughs> me, I'm like, "Oh, the pain of life. I need morphine." You know, right. like totally different mindset. But so you have been in the most intimate relationships of your life with mm-hmm. addicts and alcoholics, me and me and Keith. Right. So, um one thing I I want to talk about because I know we have lots of parents of addicts who listen mm-hmm. to this show is how different is it having a husband addict than having it be your daughter because it's the same disease we acted the same but we're two different people to you it's totally different i almost don't know where to start really yeah i mean well first of all like finding out the level of addict that keith was you know i grew up in mississippi <laughs> we yeah. didn't do this stuff yeah and um and i thought if you did it and it was messing your life up, you just quit. Yeah. <laughs> you just stopped this. And you went to rehab and you were fixed. How much more did you need? Uh-huh. You know, so. That's a non-addict perspective right there. <laughs> right. <laughs> so to move, you know, so to move from Mississippi to Los Angeles and into this rock and roll environment and and just, you know, I left my house, my work, and... You know, but that it was 
a very alone time for me. Um, and when, when he used, he just, you know, he wasn't present. And I was constantly like, you know, pulling at him to show up. And, and I'm like checking his pockets for drugs and, you know, but I, I knew nothing. I didn't know what to do with this. I had not heard of Al-Anon. So we go to this therapist and, um, I guess he, you know, cops to the fact that he's, he's using. And she basically told me this is his problem. I could go home. Not I should go to Al-Anon or I should find something to do for myself, but just this was his problem and she would be working with him every week. Huh. Yeah. But um, Well, that's very 80s. But not well, really because wasn't uh, 80s the self-help era? It was all God, the self-help think, because next Especially thing in know, L.A. Yeah, is I read this book and find out that the therapist is right there in in L.A. and made an appointment Actually, Keith and I went to her together at first, and then I found out she had this women's group. Which, what was the book you read? Do so I, have yeah, to I don't give, give up me to be loved by you. I remember yeah. seeing books like that and yeah. going, "What has happened I to my parents?" Shelves of these books. Shelves of <laughs> "Love Your Body, Love Yourself," like yeah. Louisa L. Hay, Marianne Williamson, who is now we've come full circle. We both right. love her. Yes. Um, but uh, Dan Melman, yeah, all those all those yeah. books. You had so many self help books, right? But so you you found. That, do I have to give up me to be loved by you? Who was that about? Like, was that you saying, do I have to give up me if it or him? Me. What me. would you have given up? Was that uh, like a, a, like, was that a wrong, no, I don't want to say wrong, but was just that, was that one of those thoughts that you have that wasn't really based in reality that you thought you had to give up you because he was on drugs and the way he was reacting to you? I don't think it, it much had to, that book didn't have to do with addiction. Right. That's just do. Do I have to change to fit what you know what your expectations are? Oh, right. Me, it 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 really didn't have to do with the addiction. It just happened to lead us to that that therapist. And then you started yeah. going to women's. Then I group. started going to the women's group, and just the more I got empowered within my own life, you know, to connect with women, to realize I didn't have to like get everything from Keith mm -hmm. um, you know so I, I formed these great friendships with women you know one of whom my dear friend today Wendy my aunt Weed uh, your aunt Weed um, but it you know this just gave me this base to rebuild rebuild myself from and um, I started getting back into my you know work finding a different kind of outlet for my creativity so I began to have my own life out there. I think that was what was so hard for me was this was his life. And I just had been like kind of plopped into it and was lost. Yeah. So and then to have the drug thing on top of it and not know how to deal with that, not know how to deal with that at all. Um because I remember, I remember you guys fighting about that. It was your high. No, I'm not. Your high. No, I'm not. That's all I remember. Oh, don't what your eyes are. Your pinned. pupils are pinned. Your pupils are pinned. <laughs> I know, and I remember being like, "What is with this conversation?" Like it didn't, it didn't traumatize me or anything like no. that. It, I just remember being like, "What?" The but hell do you are they remember what he about? would do? How he would organize stuff on. You know, I would come vaguely home and like 
the VHS library was like alphabetized. VHS library. <laughs> that was the Betamax was well, all it was, clean. It was the 80s. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. In the 80s. But the books, everything, the you know, the whole house would be alphabetized. Big hint that he'd been stoned. Right. Which is, that's what he did. He He would like bring my car back. Okay, we had cassette tapes in the car. But, um, yeah, it opened. He'd have some excuse. I mean, there's all this traffic on Topanga Canyon, and he'd you know, be way, way, way late. Then I'd get in the car the next day and open the glove box to get a cassette out, and they were alphabetized. <laughs> oh, <laughs> my God. God. Yeah. yeah. The useless things <laughs> we do when we're... It's right. so... It's not funny, but it's interesting. It's when I started doing drugs in high school, uh, and I thought I was totally getting away with it, mm-hmm. um... Because I had been so anti-drug up until that point that I was able to get away with it for mm-hmm. a while. Um, but I remember I came home, um, and I was a, the laziest sloth of a person, kid. Oh, my God. Like, I ditched P.E. when I was 14 to go smoke cigarettes. Like, I had took me 45 minutes to run the mile, literally, when I was at Oakwood. Because <laughs> I walked. I, could, I was like, I'm winded. But, like, so one day I come home from high school, and I'm like, hey, I need a bucket and um, some soap. And Keith was like what are you doing? I'm like, cleaning my car. And I remember the look on his face. And I was like, oh my God, there's no, he doesn't know. No, he doesn't know. So then I came back in after making a mess of cleaning my car. And I'm like, I need, I need something to dry it with. And I just remember him going, come here. And I was like, oh shit. And he put his glasses on to look Mm -hmm. at me. And that's when I knew I, it was over. But the reason I know that, I mean, the thing about you talking about him is now I see that's why he knew. Cause Mm -hmm. that's the stuff he did. Mm-hmm. was organizing like where he would come in my bedroom and me the messiest kid in the world I would be combing my rug right for no reason it's like what are you doing so I mean that yeah he probably saw himself he mm-hmm. always saw himself in me though I remember he told me I was gonna be an addict when I was 10 because I needed Tylenol or something or I, I wanted something because I had some ailment or so yeah. I said and it said to take two and I said I want four then because mine's really bad. And he went, you're an addict you know, or an wow. alcoholic. And I was like, you I forgot shut that. up. You don't know. You don't know me. Yeah. But how strange that he was right. Because, you know, I think we're all kind of born mm-hmm. the way we are. So I'm sure I was showing signs of it at 10. But nobody would know to look for it when <laughs> no. it has to do with Tylenol. No. But so when so you went through that with him. And uh, and when it's your spouse, I mean, you're both adults. Yeah. You go to Al-Anon. You get your life together. You can kick them yeah. out. You, yeah. You and can't we, kick we, your kid no, out. We well. almost, you know, there were times when we almost broke up. And even after he got straight, you know, he would, I guess, you know, addicts, you know, the drug's gone and you turn to something else. Remember when he would just turn the TV on? For hours and hours, For hours and, and, hours, and hours, hours at and full hours. volume. And then I would try to talk to him and he would like nod out, fall asleep right in the middle of the conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Funny now. Um but yeah, but it took, you know, and it took me one time just almost, you know, we like almost leaving for him to go, I can't lose you and Dana. Yeah. And um, then he went back into therapy and really started working the program and it worked out. And then shortly after that, I started getting loaded. Yeah. Very shortly. So and that's totally different because, you know. You know, all this stuff of letting go and get your own life together. I mean, so it's your kid. Right. And, like and, I was going to say, you can like, do that with your spouse, your spouse or your boyfriend or yeah. girlfriend or whatever. Yeah. yeah. But it's your child now. So, and the things that I had been taught in Al-Anon 
or had used these techniques, you know, dealing with with Keith and that relationship, just felt so, you can't do this with a kid, you know. What do you mean let go of your child? What do you, what do you mean let him hit bottom? You know, when, when it meant, you know, I looked at she was like, she could be dead. Uh-huh. If, where is the bottom? You know, both you and Keith. It's like, for me, if I can see the bottom with the binoculars, I'm going to turn around and go the other way. Because you're not an addict. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you for us, Keith? if we still have one working leg, yeah. we're not done. No. <laughs> and you see the bottom, you hit the bottom, and you dig three dig more deeper. feet to make sure there's not a bottom under that bottom. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's just like you're protective of your of your kid. So how because, far can you let this go, you know? What were they tell like what were they telling you like just let her go just there's nothing you can do well which time are we talking about <laughs> I guess I guess the beginning like the, the first beginning. time because the first rehab mm-hmm. I went to I was in high school it was between junior and senior year and I you know it was a phase I never really liked that drug much anyway mm-hmm. so I was able to stop mm-hmm. after after abusing it abusively for over a year I was able to be like I don't like this I don't want to do it anymore. And then I thought I was I was done. And then after I had slept for a week, I came out to the living room to tell you guys that I was going to be honest. Be like, you know, I was using, even though you guys knew, um, I weighed like thirty pounds. You know, I was yeah. like, I was using, and I'm done. And that's Keith was like, oh no, you're going to a program. And I was like, oh no, no, no. Perhaps you didn't hear me. I just said I'm done. Yeah. And he was. I remember him saying it's juvenile hall or a program. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh my god, I hate you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because I did not think I needed a program, nor did I want one. But you, when but you, you, that's one things, thing you can yeah. threaten a kid with jail. You can threaten right. a kid with juvenile hall because we don't get to say. And so. we felt like that would save you or. or, or and it planted the seed. It, yeah. It, sh- it totally planted the seed. Mm-hmm. So, that, I mean, that's one thing that comes out of like the first treatment. And we'll get and we'll get more into that in the next episode. Like what works, what doesn't. Um but one thing about pa- for parents who are going, God, what, he doesn't want to go and he's going to hate it and he's not going to listen. There's nothing you can do. The seed will be planted. Mm-hmm. When that seed gets planted, you're stuck with it. Right. At next time you use, you still have that seed stuck in your head. Mm-hmm. You'll have to use more to get rid of it. It's right. it, it really does damage. damage. It makes your using difficult. <laughs> so, I mean, for, for, for parents who think it won't do anything, it does. But I want to get more into that. Uh, we uh, That's a whole other episode. We'll just talk about that in the next episode. Um, we'll be back tomorrow talking about what worked, what didn't, what we tried, what maybe we could have tried. If you would like to write us, it's Radio Rehab at GoToProductions.com. That's G-O-T-O Productions.com. You can call or text 415-496-9511 on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's at Radio Rehab Dana. And we will be back tomorrow with my mom. Keep coming back. Sex and drugs and rock and roll Is all my brain and body need Sex and drugs and rock and roll